0: Welcome to Stay At Home Girlfriends. Before we start the episode, here's a quick reminder to check out our socials. You can find us on Instagram at Pod. TikTok
1: at Stay at Home Girlfriends and Tumblr at Stay at Home Girlfriends.tumblr.com. And don't forget, if you want advice from us and to be featured on the show, here are the ways you can send us a question. We have a Google form, which you can find linked in the Stay at Home Girlfriends bios. You can write us a message on Tumblr. And by the way, both of those options are completely anonymous. Or you can DM us on Instagram. And remember, the more detailed the question is, the better advice we can get. If you want to support the
0: show, join the Secret Society over on Patreon for fun, exclusive content. And here's a quick
1: reminder that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only.
0: While we are going to try and give you the best advice possible, we always recommend taking your issue to a trusted friend or family member. Or
1: a certified professional in whatever field your concern is in.
0: And remember, never take advice from someone who's falling apart. I'm your host, Gabriella, but you can call me Gabby, and this is my co-host and gorgeous girlfriend, Cam. Hi, everyone. Now, before we start, I think we should introduce ourselves. As I said, I'm Gabriella, an influencer from Brighton, England. I'm really
1: into home decor, fashion, Taylor Swift, and cats. And I'm Cameron Gray. I'm a podcaster from Nashville, Tennessee, which is in America. And I have a pop culture podcast called What I Will Say. I love hiking, cooking, and of course, I'm very passionate about building community via podcasts.
0: Which is one of the reasons why we've created Stay at Home Girlfriends, I got sick last year while I was at my parents' house and listening to Cam's What I Will Say podcast gave me a community to focus on and it made me feel a lot less alone. I am really hoping to give our listeners the same safe space to be able to take some chill time away from life and your problems with a couple of friends.
1: Yeah, I actually have this saying that a what I will say listener is never alone because one of my goals with that show is that if a listener is ever feeling lonely or some sort of way, they can pop on an episode and feel less alone with me in their ears. So now we have the same goal for this show. We want to say a stay-at-home girlfriend listener is never alone either. So with all that said, let's jump into your questions. Our first question is, do you have any advice for someone moving in with their girlfriend? We're 20 and 21 years old, Been together for almost three years, both still at uni, and she usually spends around four nights per week at my place anyway. I'm super excited and still as obsessed with her as I was on day one, but also scared as fuck since we're quite young. I can't handle change that well, and I'm afraid it might be a burden on our relationship. Gabby, what do you think? What's advice we have for this person? It doesn't sound like it would be as much change
0: as you think it is. If she already spends four nights a week at your place, that's over half of the week. You've only got to add three more nights onto that and you're basically living together. I do think something that's really important in a relationship when you are living together is to try and have your own space, try and have your own time and try and have your own Friends. So, you're not spending every second together because that is something that can get very overwhelming. You don't want to morph into one person as a couple and kind of lose your individuality. And I do think that taking time away from your partner is super important because it makes you miss them and it makes you like excited to come home to them. So, you said you're both students. Maybe one of you goes to work in Starbucks, one of you goes to work in the library and you spend that time apart rather than studying together. I know it might be like, oh, we really want to study together because, you know, we're a couple, but take that time apart, miss each other for a little bit. And then you'll be so excited to come home to her and the time you spend together
1: will be more special. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I agree with all that. And I also I want to commend you. You've you I'm assuming this was sent into my blog. So I'm assuming you guys are a queer couple. Sorry if you're not. But I want to say you've been together for almost three years and you're just now moving in together. That's a great timeline. That's so chill. Like, yeah, can't relate. Most girls can't like most. A lot of lesbians would never show that much restraint or a lot of queer people in a relationship might not show that much restraint so like first of all kudos to you you're already doing well you're already doing good in the words of chris Jenner, you're doing great sweetie A 100 percent. so you're already doing well so like you probably have good judgment so the fact that you've made this decision in such a reasonable timeline it sounds like you guys are in a good place you're still obsessed with her you're not having an issue with the spark you know that's great so I would say, trust your instincts about this. I think you're going to be okay. I would also say, I like Gabby's idea about maybe studying in different places, having a routine that gives you a couple hours apart during the day, maybe go to class separately, even if maybe if you could walk together, maybe don't, take some me time. And I also want to say, maybe another way to just maintain space and maintain your personal identity is, do you guys have different hobbies? And maybe if you don't, maybe... If there's something you always wanted to try that your partner's not interested in, maybe now's the time to try that. Have a, have something that's just your thing that you do. And maybe you go back and tell them about it. Or, you know, if you create something, you show it to them and you can kind of share an appreciation of it, but have a couple separate hobbies that just keep you guys distinct as individuals. But remember, if it's not the right fit, you can always move out. You know, leases don't last forever. But this, I think, is like probably it just sounds like from your short question, you guys are in a really good place. I think this is the right move for you. So just, you know, change is hard and change can be uncomfortable, but I think you're never going to know unless you do it. So I would say move forward. Make sure you set aside time for yourselves. Make sure you set aside like a mental space, like a hobby or a, a passion or interest that is more individual to you too. And it's going to be great. I wouldn't worry about it. So I'm going to give you a real life example of this. Me
0: and Cam were spending all of our time together, all of it. We were doing everything together, going on every walk together, doing everything together. But Cam has a hobby, which is hiking, and she's got a hiking trip planned in America very soon. So she's been training for this hike and she's been going out of the house on her own, going on walks, getting some prep in to train for the hike. And I have noticed that I miss her so much when she's gone, but in a really, really positive way. Obviously, when you spend every second together, you are going to get like a little bit more aggy with each other every now and again. But taking this time apart has been so positive for our relationship. Like I'm so excited for you to get home from your walks. I miss you like crazy. I can't wait to spend time with you when you get home. And It's just been such a great change. So honestly, spending time apart, I think, is one of the best things that you can do if you do live together. And I would really take that advice and run with it because it's worked wonders for us. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Good luck with the move in. I hope it goes really well for you. I've got good feelings about this. So try and have some positive thoughts about it. It sounds like you are a good match. Yeah. Okay, the next question. My dad is so toxic, but he only has me and I feel so guilty cutting him out of my life. I would really like to hear your
1: response to this one first. I want to say, prioritize your own feelings. Prioritize yourself. At the end of the day, we only get one life. At the end of the day, I would always encourage people, you are your own best teammate. If you need to do something for your own health, if you need space, if you need something for your own sanity, you can't feel bad about reaching out and getting it. You d- you owe yourself, you know, peace and and health and contentment before you owe it to anybody else. And that includes your dad.
0: Yeah, the older that I've got, the more that I've realized you need to take priority because if you're not nourishing your own mental health, you're not being the best version of yourself. And at the end of the day, you are alive
1: for you. When you're on an airplane and the oxygen mask come down, what do they say? They always say, put your oxygen mask on before you put it on the child next to you. If you have a child or before you help anyone around you Yours goes on first. Listener, I want to tell you, you need to put your oxygen mask on before you put your dad's oxygen mask on. And it's possible that the metaphor of putting an oxygen mask on might be getting some space from your dad. But guess what? You owe that to yourself before you owe anything to help your dad. Now, I feel like it never hurts to sit down and be like, listen here's the deal. Write out a list, write him a letter. Here's the different ways that your toxicity is negatively affecting me. And if we can't change these things, I've got to go put my oxygen mask on. I've got to get away from you. But you say, I feel so guilty cutting him out of my life. Let go of that guilt. You owe yourself a healthy life. You owe yourself relationships with people that are healthy. You owe yourself peace. You deserve to put your oxygen mask on. And you need to do that before you worry about anyone else. I agree. I'm all for having a conversation with him and seeing if you can get through it. But if not, you gotta let that guilt go because you you owe it to yourself. I actually
0: have a very personal experience with this. When it comes to cutting a family member out, I did that for I think two years. We have only just really started speaking again, but it's something that I needed to do for my mental health. And it's something that helped me immensely. I can't even tell you how much cutting this person out for a couple of years has done for me. Obviously, this is a super personal story and it's not something that I'm going to go completely into, but I do really relate to this question. And the thing that I did was I tried to approach them about my feelings and it ended in a massive argument to the point where they weren't taking any accountability for how they treated me. And it just really hit the nail on the head that I can't have this person in my life until they are able to either apologize to me if they feel that way or at least take some accountability. So I went cold turkey. I I blocked them on everything. And we didn't speak for two years. And I think in that two years of space from what I've heard from other family members who've spoken to them about this, because I haven't still, is that they've really come to realize the things that they did and the way that they treated me. And it took me cutting myself out of their life for them to actually take a step back and realize that they cannot treat me like this and to take some accountability. And now I am still waiting for that apology, but I do now see it coming and I am in a much better place than I was two years ago when they were in my life, causing me anxiety every single day. And I think the best advice that I can offer you is to try and talk to him. And depending on his reaction, either continue that relationship with him taking some accountability and him deciding to make some sort of changes, or you just go in cold turkey saying, look, I can't have you in my life right now with how you're acting and seeing what that does for him. Because for me, it has done the world of good. And I really, I'm sorry that you're going through this because it is one of the hardest things to deal with, having such a toxic family member. You do feel that guilt. Like this person also in my life has no one else. So I felt that guilt as well of, I should probably be there for them, but it's not up to me. It's really not up to me. They need to change as a human being and stop treating people so horribly and stop being so toxic. And to do that, I do just think it takes a reality check for them. But I do want to say, I'm so sorry that you're going through it. Please give us an update on how this goes. I am really interested in hearing like, feel free to message me on Instagram personally, and make sure you're talking to your other family members. If you do have any or close friends about this, make sure that you've got support as well, because it might hit you quite hard at first. Okay, this question is, I don't feel a spark anymore after five years with my partner. Do you think it's possible to get the feeling back? So starting off with this, I have personally never been in a relationship for that long. My relationships before Cam have always been very on and off or very short. So I don't have as much experience in this topic as Cam does, but I do think that I have got some advice that might help. I would like to think if I was in this situation, I would try to remember why I fell in love in the first place. What was it that attracted me to this person? You've spent five years with someone. So there is obviously a big connection there. And if you can try and figure out how to get that back, that might be really helpful. Maybe do more date nights, maybe spend more quality time together away from technology. I find that if I'm in a relationship and we're spending a lot of time on technology, I don't see that as quality time with my partner and it makes me start to feel a bit like upset and not as close to them. Maybe take a designated night away from social media, technology, TV, spend that time just with you two, trying to reconnect, trying to think about why you had this spark in the first place And hopefully that might start to bring back those feelings. But on the other end of that, I do want to say that it is okay to not have a spark anymore. Maybe the relationship has run its course. Maybe you try to get it back and it's just not coming back. Try not to hold that against yourself. Like you have obviously put a lot of time into this relationship, but if there is no way to get that spark back, it is okay to move on.
1: Yeah, I agree with all of that. I want to echo what we just said. I also, listen, you know, maybe couples therapy, if if that's Mm -hmm. something you guys are open to, but who knows that can be expensive and, you know, there's long wait lists in the UK. And so I understand maybe that's not an option, but something to consider. And I'm going to throw out an answer that's a little bit out of left field, if that's okay. Go on. So the spark at the beginning of relationship can also be known as something called new relationship energy. Mm. And... You'll hear that phrase in the polyamorous community a lot. Now, listener, I don't know if you're open to poly, and it is certainly not for everyone. I don't even think it's for me, right? But I will say a little hack that people in the polyamorous community, people who date multiple people, seem to have tapped into is that sometimes that excitement that spark feeling you can get from someone else, maybe a different partner, and you can actually bring that back home and bring that energy back home and bring that excitement back home. I have some friends who are poly and I've heard all about it, but like you can do something even as little, if this is okay with your partner, first of all, Mm. any move into openness, that's gotta be communicated and agreed upon. But some people find that like, even really, really light sort of, I'm gonna put poly in quotes, like really light, Mm. tiny poly behaviors, such as go out for a girl's night with your friends, dance with some cute strangers, have have a little flirtation, get a little excitement going, and then turn around and bring that back home and keep that high, those good feelings from the attention of strangers. You know, you dance with someone, oh, you can dance with somebody else, have a little flirtatious night and then bring that back home And jump your partner's bones, like be all over them, bring that same energy and let that sort of nourish your need for that new relationship energy and then enjoy the sort of the glow you get from that go back home and enjoy that with your partner that that is a little bit of a liberal answer, if you will. Open relationships are not for everyone. Polyamory is not for everyone. Obviously, if you're going to be non-monogamous, you need to be ethical about it. So that means being open and honest about what you're up to with your partner. But if that is a conversation, if you think that is something your partner would be open to, if that is a conversation you can have with them, you never know what might just bring some of that spark back. New relationship energy. If you just Google that, you can do your own research and see, but it's a real thing. And people in the poly community, that's what they're after. And that's what, what they're trying to do is bring that spark back to their primary partner. They have other partners too. And you, like I said, you might not even need other partners. You might just need to go out for a flirty flirty dancing session with some strangers. There
0: is a way that you can get that spark back with your partner, actually, that I've just thought about. Mm-hmm. Something that I have heard works very well for a lot of other couples. I've seen it on TV. I've heard friends talk about it, is going out together and pretending it's your first time meeting. So Mm. coming up with, I mean, you could be a character in your head, maybe step away from who you are and get a little bit of confidence in a different character. Go to the club, go to a bar, go to a restaurant and pretend that you don't know this person and then flirt with them. A little role play. Yeah, a little bit of role play. I think that could give you the same kind of spark as dancing
1: with someone else in a club and then taking it home. I agree. Start with that. Right? Because opening up your relationship, even opening it up to allow you to flirt with other people, that's a whole ordeal. Like I said, a bit of a left field answer. I actually love that advice. I think you should start with that. If they're down for a little role play, go to a fancy hotel, get all dressed up, sit at the bar and say, come and pick me up. Or you go pick them up. Right? Right and see how the night goes we might need to do this i mean our spark is still alive and kicking but this sounds so
0: fun it sounds like a good time right i have actually got a little code name for me gg gg when gg comes out Mm. you better watch out that's for sure i do think that is actually very good advice so well done me for that
1: yeah fabulous i love that answer let's go with that good luck let us know how it goes next question
0: My first situationship crushed me and I'm convinced I'll never get over it. Now, this is something that obviously we both have our opinions about. I think Cam's opinion goes a little bit deeper than mine. So I guess I'll just say mine first. I would love to know if you still have contact with this person. Personally, I think if you can take a break from that contact, because if ever I'm trying to get over something, even if it's not anything to do with romantic feelings, I just find that taking space from that situation is what helps me the best. You can clear your mind, think about things in a different kind of light without the situation looming over you. So if you do have contact with them, I would say try and cut it for now, even if it's not
1: forever. But I know that Cam has some really good advice for this one. Well, it's just very relatable to me. I don't know that Gabby's ever had her heart completely crushed. I don't think I have, honestly. You've like you've had your dalliances and your flings and your, your girlfriends and your romances, but I don't think anything's ever completely wrecked you. Not to the extent that it's wrecked you. Right. So I have definitely had situations where I thought I would never get over things. Like, for example, I dated my high school sweetheart for like six or seven years. It took me ages to get over that relationship. I'm talking multiple years to really fully move on from it. But I think what I would say about this is that... The truest thing I've ever learned in life is that time really does heal all wounds. I know it doesn't feel like it right now. Like Right now, the grief probably feels like this massive, horrible hurricane or tornado or storm that's ripped through your life. But the thing about bad weather is that it always passes. It always changes. Even if it takes a long time to change, it will change in the end. That's just the nature of weather in real life. And that's the nature of our emotions and our feelings about things. Um I actually have this this stupid story. So as I said at the top of this, I like hiking. One thing I've done is I've section hiked about 500 miles of the Appalachian Trail, which is this 2000 mile long trail that goes through the East Coast of America. And my third or fourth day of my first ever trip I ever took out there, I was going to be out there for like a couple months. And I got as in best shape as I could. And I got as ready as I possibly could. But nothing prepares you for going out and hiking 10 to 15 miles in the Maine wilderness. That's where I started in Maine. Um, Nothing prepares you for that. And so after a couple of days, I had infected blisters. I could barely walk. I would have called it quits right there. There's no calling it quits. You've got to walk out of there. So I was walking to the first place where I could get off the trail and get those blisters treated. But it took five days to get there. What the hell? It was on... I had basically one more full day of hiking to get to getting off the trail to get my blisters treated. I was dehydrated. My feet were killing me. Every step was painful. I was running low on food. It was an absolute disaster. And as I'm hiking, this troop of Girl Scouts passes me. And at the end of it, bringing up the end is this little girl who like is crying, melting down and like hating her life. And I was like, oh, my God, me. Because it was just like, that's exactly how I felt. Now, I wasn't like outwardly crying or anything. I was just hiking, trying to get through it. But I stopped and I was like, are you guys okay? And I think they might've stopped to ask if I was okay because I look so bad and limping. And I just remember like realizing and sort of seeing myself in that little girl, just being like, gosh, she's going through exactly what I'm going through. And when I thought about my own situation, I sort of was just like, well, I'm just gonna die out here. But when I saw that little girl, I was like, Well, she's going to keep hiking. They're going to get off the trail in a couple of days. And she won't even remember this in a couple of years. Like she'll get through it. Like she's probably 10 years old. She had one of the counselors with her. So it was like this camp counselor, this little girl and me, we're all talking. And I just remember saying, I promise you this will be over so soon. And I think I was really saying it to myself because as bad as it is to be stuck in the main wilderness, carrying 20 pounds around on your back, maybe 30 pounds around on your back having to use the bathroom in the woods and only eat tortilla wraps for sustenance and having infected blisters as bad as it was. And it was bad. It was over before I knew it. It was, oh, it just time happened and I kept walking and I got to the first place and I was able to wait and heal my blisters. And I was able eventually to get myself in like slightly better shape after a couple more weeks of training. And then I went out again and hiked 300 miles. So, Time, it it doesn't feel like it, but I just promise you, if you give it time, your situation will improve. In the meantime, while you're waiting for that time to pass, I recommend surround yourself with things that you love. People you love, like friends and family, things that you love, like your favorite movies, TV shows, or perhaps a podcast. And do work on projects, work stuff, or hobbies that you're really passionate about. And if you can fill up that missing love from your situationship that's over with other types of love, such as the love of friends and family, such as the loves of your favorite media, your favorite projects, your favorite hobbies, and try and really like keep yourself busy and keep your life as rich as you can manage. That's going to help the time pastor since, of course, time flies when you're having fun and time is what you need to move past this. I have been through breakups where I swear to you, I thought I was going to die of a broken heart. I thought I would just rot away. I I just, I love very fiercely and I'm not always been the best at getting over it, although I think I'm better as I've gotten older, but I know it feels like the world is ending, but I promise you, you're going to look back. Maybe it's a month or two, maybe it's six months, maybe it's two or three years, but you will look back and not only will you be past it and you know, be healed from it, As long as nothing really heinous happened, as long as you weren't abused or like led around in some terrible way, you probably might even look back and laugh. I know I do. You know, some of my heartbreaks, I look back and just laugh now because, you know, time healed the wounds.
0: Also, I think there's a lesson to be learned in every situation. So try and focus on what the lesson of this one was. Did you not get along great? Did you have miscommunication? Is that the reason why it's over, like try and think of the reason why it ended and why you do feel so crushed by it and maybe take that lesson into your next relationship.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Just maybe situationships aren't for you. Maybe they said, well, I just, I I can't commit to anything and you Mm. really had strong feelings for them. And then maybe- They continued to not commit to anything, and that hurt you. So maybe you know, okay, I'm looking for more serious commitments from people. I want to really date. I want a girlfriend. I don't just want a hookup or a fling. But I do promise in time it's going to be okay. And in the meantime, try and fill your life up with as much love as possible, and we both hope you'll get through it.
0: That story actually made me giggle at one point, because when we first met, Cam was like, oh, I would love to take you hiking one day. And I was like, oh, my God, that would be the best thing. Like, I will go
1: hiking with you. It would be so much fun. I've just heard that story. And I'm like, yeah, nah, it could never happen. (laughs)
0: Absolutely not.
1: All right. So this question actually comes from a what I will say listener. I know that because it was sent to me. I need help trying to figure out how to get along with my future sister-in-law. My partner and I are engaged to be married next summer. We've been together since 2014. My partner's brother and his fiance are getting married this weekend and are having a second wedding in January in another country. And I've been together since 2020. The problem is my future sister-in-law and I do not get along. She makes little digs at me all the time, insinuating that I don't know members of the family as well as she does, or I don't have as positive of a relationship with them as she does. She cuts me off every time I talk or yells at me when I have an opinion she doesn't share, like, wow, I really like this cheese. And then she'll say, what are you, dumb? This cheese is better. Our first quote-unquote issue happened when I had a panic attack in front of her last summer. She said it made her really uncomfortable and made her cry. She asked for an apology. She's held it against me ever since as evidence that I'm rude. The next issue was at her bridal shower. She didn't want me at the family table and didn't want me in a single picture from the event. Then she told me she'd invite me to the bachelorette party, which I took as a sign that maybe we'd started moving forward in our relationship. However, she lied and never invited me, but her and my partner's brother did ask to borrow my car to get to their party since they came in from out of town. Their wedding is at my partner's parents' house, and I've helped paint fences and build their deck up nice, and my partner's mom told the bride-to-be to to invite my family to the wedding as well. Well, she decided my brother didn't make the cut, which really hurt my feelings. She did, however, ask me if I would get there early to set the tables. I do want to say her wedding, her bachelorette, etc., are her events, and she's not obligated to invite any one she doesn't want to those things. I was just hurt that she said I would be invited and then wasn't. I want to find a way to clear the air with her, maybe have a conversation about this dynamic and just get to a neutral place where we can be around each other and not be so uncomfortable. I'm worried about paying a lot of money to go to the second wedding out of the country just to be bullied or excluded. I want to get along with her for the sake of my partner's relationship with their brother. But as things are going, it's not looking good.
0: Okay, so from this, the thing that stands out to me the most is that she is publicly making you feel uncomfortable. And... If that's around people, then they must be noticing it too. And I just wonder why no one has brought this up with her. Maybe they don't want to get in between you two and like cause more issues. But I would say the thing that I recommend the most will be talking to your partner and seeing if they can talk to their brother about this issue. Because, I mean, if it's in public, they've obviously heard the little digs and seen what's been going on. So maybe they can talk to their brother and their brother can find a way to clear the air with your sister-in-law. It sounds like she's very petty, especially with the cheese comment. That is such a petty thing to bring up in conversation. What I also would love to know is if you make any comments back, because nowhere in this did you say like you have occasionally said something back to one of her comments and she might see that as you being the one with the problem. Maybe there's some miscommunication here. Cam, what do you think?
1: Well, I would say if she's making comments back or if they're making comments back, this sister-in-law deserves it. <laughs> you yeah. know, who could blame them? First of all, who could blame them? But I think for action items, we need to have a sit down with the partner because yeah. they're the first connection to this person. And then perhaps to sit down with the partner and the brother. Mm. Now, maybe the partner needs to just talk to the brother on their own. I'm not sure their relationship, but maybe you three should have a conversation about listen, listen. Sister-in-law and I don't have to be best friends, but we are family now. And Mm -hmm. life is better when family gets along. It sounds like you've been doing everything you can to be supportive of their wedding, like painting the fences, painting the deck, like helping. And if that's all true, the way she treats you is incredibly unreasonable. You know, it'd be one thing if you were just this random person who she didn't like and y'all just didn't get along. But it sounds like you were actually doing a lot of lovely things for them. And I commend you for that because, gosh, I don't know that I would you wouldn't catch me painting fences for somebody who, you know, in the hot sun with global warming in this economy. You know, you wouldn't catch me doing any of that if somebody was that, you know, objectively rude to me. I think I'd avoid anything to do with them. So we commend you for that. I will say there is a principle called the Benjamin Franklin principle. It's principle in psychology. And I have found it. To be helpful in some cases, which is basically we kind of think of our relationships with people and like the way we treat them. We think we treat people a certain way because of how we feel about them. But some studies and some psychology have sort of suggested that actually we feel about people the way we treat them. An example of this is when a salesman goes, let's say a door-to-door salesman is going around, he's selling vacuum cleaners, he goes to a woman's house, she invites him in and she says, can I get you anything? And you would think a salesman would be like, oh, no, 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 I would just love if you would buy my vacuum cleaner. But studies show that if you can get someone to do a little favor for you, it's more likely you'll make the sale. I learned this in my marketing class in college. The salesman will say, I'm parched, could I get a glass of water? The woman will go get him a glass of water. And in doing this kindness, this small favor, her emotions and her feelings about him get better. And after salesmen get a glass of water, get a small favor from a potential customer, they have a better time making a sale. That's proven in studies. They've done that in like marketing studies and stuff. So there's this concept of if you start being kind to someone, you will start liking them more. So what I want to ask is, is there a way you can get her to do you a favor? Now, maybe not. Cause she sounds like a piece of work and maybe it, this is just something you can't, you know, psychologically trick your way out of. And this is maybe something you guys have got to have like a, a come to Jesus talk with the brother and, you know, she needs to be told you need to change your behavior. But I wonder, could you get her to do you a favor, a kindness? And then you of course be very thankful and maybe do another kindness in return. And all of a sudden you guys are like, helping each other out doing nice things for each other you're gonna feel better about her as you do more nice things for her and she's gonna feel better about you as she does more nice things for you and let me say this don't do her kindnesses because she deserves it obviously this person's a bit of a wreck and doesn't know how to treat people if what you've shared is you know the 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 truth of the situation but it just might help the situation be better If you guys can get into doing each other some favors, she might just start to feel differently about you after her behavior towards you changes.
0: Yeah, this is something that Cam talks about a lot. And I do have to say it does work. It's something that I've tried before. Or there's even the concept that you might not like somebody in your head, but how you talk about them will start to change how you feel in your head. What is that concept that you always say to me? It kind of relates to this. If you have
1: a bunch of certain types of feelings, yeah, you can change those feelings, not just by deciding, not by saying, well, I'm just going to feel a different way. That actually doesn't really work. But if you change your behaviors, your feelings about something can change. So if you hate going out to take a walk, you know, maybe have a goal, you want to get 10,000 steps or something, whatever. And all day you sit around saying, oh, I don't want to take 10,000 steps. I don't want to take my walk today. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, my toes hurt. Oh, I don't want to do it. Well, you're probably not going to have a very good attitude about it. And if you don't have a good attitude about it, you're probably not going to have the best time on your walk. But if you sit around and say, I can't wait to get some sunshine. The weather's nice. I can't wait to listen to, you know, my favorite music or my favorite stay at home girlfriends podcast episode on my walk. And sort of build it up, even in your internal mind, but especially if you start saying it out loud, like if you tell someone about it, like, yeah, I can't wait. I'm really excited about it. You will probably start to feel differently about it. So it's just, it's all about changing your behaviors to shift how you feel about something. It's sort of fake it till you make it. I will say that this does work
0: because if I'm being honest, yesterday I was having a rubbish day and I was having a conversation in my head of how like things weren't going to go right. And lo and behold, things didn't go right. And it hit me really hard. But today I woke up with a completely different frame of mind. I was like, you know what, I can do the things that I need to get done. And I was talking positively to myself and I'm having a much better day. So maybe if you relate that to your sister-in-law, start talking more positively about her to your partner Your feelings towards her might kind of change a bit, but she needs to be making big actions to be nice. She is not treating you very nicely at all. And I'm sure that your family does notice.
1: Yeah. So whether it's something you can just request her, oh, could you grab this for me? Oh, could you send me this? Or Do you happen to know a good this or that that I could go to? Just get a little favor out of her without her even knowing. Maybe do that. If that's just not going to happen, We gotta talk with the partner, we gotta talk with the brother, and you've got to say, she has to treat me better. We wanna be a happy family, we wanna be in a good place together, and maybe she'll start treating you better after that, and that might change her feelings. You also might ask, was there some something early in your relationship? Did you say something in front of her that set her off? Did she maybe it sounds like, you know, with the panic attack thing, it sounds like she needs to maybe be educated you know about anxiety disorders and mental illness and how that's not something you can help and that's actually a medical condition you are you're having that maybe she doesn't understand that yeah that's something that i was going to say does she have a
0: reason to feel this way about you maybe you did something without realizing and it hit her in some sort of way you know things affect people differently maybe she has this deep down reason why she's treating you so negatively and if you can get to the bottom of that if there is one that will be very productive
1: also you know we're sorry that you're going through this it doesn't sound fair it doesn't sound like a happy situation but hopefully one way or another through communication or through a little psychology trick or through maybe a little investigative work find out if you secretly have something you might want to apologize for you never know what offends people what hurts people's feelings these days so it doesn't hurt to ask surely the brother knows what's going on yeah maybe you just put your foot in your mouth in- about a situation you don't even know or maybe she's just a bitch but <laughs> you know if she's just a bitch then she needs to stop acting like one yeah good luck Yeah, good luck with that situation. Let us know how it goes as well if you do try any of these tips. Here's the next question. Me and my boyfriend were besties before getting together, so I saw him with his ex and knew how he felt about her. How do I get this slash her slash my insecurities out of my head? This is a very good question. And it is one that in the past
0: I have struggled with. And I will just say... Obviously for these questions, we do need more information in the future, but with the information that I've got, the first thing that comes to mind is how close are him and his ex. Are they still in contact? Are they still friends? Do they talk every day? Like, is she actually in his life enough for it to really be bothering you? Or is he just fully over that situation? And in which case, like, you need to take the time to figure out how to deal with it and move on. It is a sticky situation though, having seen him with his ex. But at the end of the day, you have just got to trust your partner and trust that he's in this relationship for you. Because hopefully he likes slash loves you. And this is an issue that you need to deal with really in your head.
1: Yeah, I feel like, first of all, again, it'd be good to know what kind of boundaries does he have with her if she is still in his life. Obviously, I'm all for being friends with your exes if you had an amicable breakup. If you did, then maybe they do have just a healthy friendship now and there's no boundaries being violated. So if if that's the case, which I hope it is, then this is more of an internal issue. Here's what I recommend if that's the case. Why don't you make a list of everything loving and sweet, he does for you and everything he does that makes you trust him more when he says I'm going to be there in 15 minutes and then he's there in 15 minutes you know he sort of stands by his word when he has you know showed himself to be upstanding when he's like kept his word to a friend or kept somebody's secret or just sort of showed that he's a trustworthy person I think you should write all of that in a list and when the insecurities rear in your head I would say Have a little mantra, say, I have chosen to trust my boyfriend, he is a trustworthy person. And while I may have personal insecurities that I'm working through, that doesn't mean I'm not going to trust him and consult your list. Remember how loving he is you know, he's with you and not her for a reason. What is that reason? I would write that on the list. Why did he choose you? Or how did the universe conspire to put you guys together? Because I think if you can sort of hold that in your heart, the ways that you are compatible, the fact that he is with you now and has made a choice to be with you. um, I think if you can keep that at the front of your mind, you might have an easier time sort of working through those Feelings. And I think the nice thing about this is that it's sort of a solo exercise. I'm all for asking for a little reassurance from your partner once in a while, but if you're doing it constantly, that's just going to be, that's going to, it's going to get a, you know, I mean, annoying is kind of a harsh word, but it could be a bit much if this is happening really, really frequently for you. I don't know, Gabby, what do you think? If there was something you could add to a list that made you remember to like, Trust in our relationship? Do you think what what would you write down or what would help you with something like this?
0: Well, first of all, I do think that's a very good idea. I often find that writing things down works really, really well for me, even if it's just a to do list. It means that I get more done in the day. But something that I would write down on the piece of paper is maybe all the little compliments that you give me throughout the day. Because they come directly from your heart. You don't have to pay me compliments if you don't want to. Like that comes from a love deep down in someone's soul. Do you know what I mean? So if your boyfriend is giving you compliments, squeezing your bum every now and again, just doing like nice little things that reminds you that he's thinking about you and he loves you. Maybe those would be the little things that I would write down because they are, in my opinion, the most meaningful.
1: You know, in our head, one what am I always saying, Gabby? Like, don't tell yourself a story about XYZ. We're always telling ourselves stories in our heads about, well, we're going to go here and it's going to be like this and I'm going to see this person and it's going to make me feel like this. And while of course that's just like human nature, it's not always the most helpful because what if we're telling ourselves sort of a negative story that isn't even reality? So I would focus on the things that are really happening in your life, his love, his affection, his compliments, the little sweet nothings you share together, and bring those to front of mind when your brain starts telling you a story about he was so in love with her, he was so dedicated to her, he'll never get over her. That is a story you're telling yourself. We don't have enough detail to know, but it it sounds like you haven't shared anything that suggests that that's true. Of course, we all have relationships with other people than the person that we end up with I mean I guess not everybody some people marry their high school sweetheart but in general everybody has you know several loves throughout their life and it's not always the same person and I just think it's natural to be possessive and to have some insecurities around this sort of issue but When your head starts telling you those negative stories about he's still in love with her, he'll never get over her, whatever the, the narrative in your head is, I would shut it down and sit down and have a little mantra, have a little story you tell yourself about, okay, but here's all the ways he loves me. Here's how he's so passionate about me. Here's the kind things he's done for me. Here's why he chose me. It's about reframing your perspective on the situation. Now, all that said... If the other side of this that we sort of spoke about is a potential issue, which is perhaps he's still really close with her and perhaps some boundaries are being violated. If that's the case, that is a bit of a different situation. And I would say, I hope that's not what's going on because that's a bit harder to deal with. But you've got to sit down and have a talk with him. I'm all for being friends with your exes. If you guys, if it's like maintaining just a healthy general friendship with appropriate boundaries in place. But if boundaries are being violated, then it's time to say, listen, it's okay if you're friends with her, but let's not do X, Y, Z. Could you maybe not spend much time alone with her? Could you make sure you're prioritizing your time with me throughout the week? Things like that. I mean, you know, that's a whole nother issue of establishing those appropriate boundaries. But if that's the case, that's more of a conversation you need to have with him. So I think those are your two sort of options. But hopefully no boundaries are being violated. And then it's just a mental exercise you could do with yourself. And like I said, I recommend writing out a list and checking it twice when you're feeling insecure. I don't know. Gabby, what do you think? At
0: the end of the day as well, you've got to remind yourself that he did choose you. You are the one that he wants to be with. And that is clear because he's with you. Right. So that's
1: got to count for something. 100%. Just tell yourself a more positive story about it, and hopefully, in time, you'll start to feel better. Okay,
0: the next question is How to deal with someone who constantly pulls away from you instead of talking about the issue? Do you want to kick us off with your thoughts on this?
1: Sure. So, I'm wondering, I don't know listener if you have heard of attachment styles but there's this theory and psychology that is like some people are anxiously attached some people are avoidantly attached and some people are securely attached so securely attached is generally and i'm just paraphrasing here this is a bit more complicated but to paraphrase securely attached are like people who have healthy attachments they are attached to people in appropriate way they're not overly attached but they're not they're not avoiding them or negatively attached to them i'm wondering if this person has an avoidant attachment style people like that can struggle to sort of let their walls down or like have meaningful connections or deep connections or emotional connections with the people in their lives also like they might not be avoidant all the time but like stressful situations can trigger that so i would say if you're communicating an issue with someone first of all let's try and make it low stress you take the time you need so it's not so emotional for you and go to that person with the issue in a clear, calm, collected manner. Because you don't want to trigger their avoidant behavior even worse. Like with a stressful, like if you're freaking out and you're waving your hands around and your voice is raised, that is just going to push them away further. And also it's helpful to communicate with a lot of I statements. So instead of you did this and you're doing this and you, 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 where you sort of shift all the blame and all the issues onto them, if you come and say, well, I'm having issue where XYZ, I feel like X, Y, Z because of this or that. Here's what I need. How can you help me You know, get what I need? And I think that kind of creates an environment where they can have a less stressful time communicating with you. What do you think, Gabby? I do have somebody in my life
0: who is like this. And it is something that I struggle with because when I have an issue, I mean, you know this damn well, when I have an issue, I voice it. I let it be known if I'm struggling with something, you will hear about it. So like I struggle when people aren't like that. But I do have someone in my life who does keep their cards close to their chest and doesn't really like to talk about things and it is hard it is difficult to get them to open up but I've actually found that the best way to communicate with them is calmly via text now I wouldn't recommend text in a situation where emotions are heated and it's hard to read through the lines because oftentimes through text things can get misconstrued but if it is just like a normal regular issue that you can word in a way that isn't going to come across as an attack. That is what I've found works the best in my situation with this person. I do just go to them with, you know, a nice little essay, say like, this isn't an attack at all. This is just something that I want to bring with you and feel free to reply whenever you want. Feel free to call me, feel free to text back. That is personally what I've found to be the best. What do you think about that?
1: I think texting is tricky because tone via text can be very hard to read. I think texting can get you into trouble. So I, I like the idea of a calm communication format though. And I think texting could work in some situations. You know, listener, that's up to you. Here's a pro tip I have for having hard conversations in person though. Have it in the car. While you're sitting maybe in a parking lot or sitting in your driveway or something, if you've just gone out and you come home or if you've gone, maybe this is a friend, you go pick them up and you're sitting in you know their parking lot for a second because when you're in the car, you don't have to look at each other. But you can still have a full-on in-person conversation. And I just wonder if this is a matter of if you have the right environment, if you can approach them calmly, if you have a safe way to talk. It's e- some, for some people, it's easier to talk without making a ton of eye contact, but you can still do it in person so you can hear tone. I do like the idea of approaching them very calmly, like Gabby said. And I like the idea of sort of saying, you don't have to respond to this right now, but here's what I'm dealing with take your time and maybe that is via text maybe it is on a phone call that can be easier and then tone can come over maybe you sit in the car and don't look at each other but still talk it sounds funny but it is so easy to have hard conversations in the car i i promise you everybody try this out it is like so helpful it's so
0: funny you say that because that is the second way that I broach subjects <laughs> with this person. We, we talk in the car. One thing that I found out about them is that they really don't like the eye contact and they don't like looking at you when they're talking about something serious. So being in the car takes that pressure away. You can just both talk while you're looking at the road. Maybe you've got a little bit of background music going on to like lighten the mood a little bit. Car talks are very important.
1: Yeah, it's just a matter of finding an effective communication form with this person. If what you're doing now doesn't work, obviously that's like part of the issue. And so try some of these different tips and see if changing up the way you communicate with them. If you're, maybe you're already trying to do it via text. Okay, switch up and try it in the car. Maybe you've already tried having in-person conversations. Well, then it's time to try maybe a phone call or a text or even an email that they can really sit down and take their time with. It's just a matter of trying different methods because everybody does communicate differently and everybody sort of has their own likes and dislikes about different communication methods. If you come at it like a team effort of this is an issue we have. And as a team, we can get through it together as as opposed to you're doing this wrong or you're doing that wrong. And not saying that's what you have been doing, but just sort of spitballing answers here. I think that's going to be the key is cool, calm, collected and figuring out that communication style. The four C's, obviously, as they say. Amen to that. Yeah. Good luck to you. Should we end it with a juicy one? Oh, we
0: do love a bit of juice around here. Go for it.
1: (laughs) Josh, I love me some juice. I bet you do. Okay, last question for this episode. I'm in love with two people. What do I do?
0: Uh, My advice is take a break from both of them. Oh, interesting. I think let them know that you're taking a break. Don't just ghost, but say you just need some time to figure out your feelings. I just think space does the world of good. It'll give you time to clear your head and maybe you take the time to think like, which one of these people am I actually thinking about? And in what kind of way am I thinking about them? Am I thinking about them because I miss them? Or am I thinking about them because I feel kind of like scared to cut them off or just take some time to figure out how you feel in your head and see which person you're thinking about the most. I also want to bring this back to polyamory maybe that's for you maybe you're the one who needs to do some polyamory if it's working I think both people need to know that you're in this situation firstly you need to let them both know that there is someone else on the docket the horizon on the menu on the menu (laughs) you've got a dessert and a main on the menu and you don't know which one to pick you don't know which way you fancy in but I do think that both of these people need to know
1: yeah, I think if you're being serious with either of these people, they should know I am seeing other people right now. You don't have to tell them every detail. You don't have to tell them you're in love, maybe, you yeah. know, depending on how serious you are with these people. Now, if you're in committed, serious relationships with both of them, okay, then it's it's time to be, you know, have some honesty. And yeah, it does sound like maybe you need to pick one if you're just dating around. Gabby and I have a mutual friend, one of my old friends. She's just gotten into the dating scene. She was sort of reserved and shy for a lot of her life. And she's kind of opened up recently. And she's dating all sorts of guys. But she's not in love with both of them. That's what makes this different. Right. Uh, She's not in love with them. And she's also been open with them. She hasn't given them tons of details. But she said, you know, I am seeing other people right now. I think a little honesty goes a long way. Yeah. But it sounds like maybe we're already past that. If you're in love with both of them. I would also say just while you're trying to work out your feelings, I agree. Maybe take a little space. Just take a week off and see how it makes you feel. Who do you miss Mm. more? Who do you need more in your life to feel more complete? While you're taking that week off, two weeks off, write a pros and cons list. Old fashioned. Mm. Pen and paper. Person one, pros and cons. Person two, pros
0: and cons. That is something that I would do and I would find so much joy out of color coding
1: it. Make it a whole activity. (laughs) Yeah, make it really aesthetic and cute. But does one of them bring more to your heart, to your life, more positives? Does one of them get along with your friends or family better? Do you share the same goals, same financial goals, same familial goals? Who fits with you better? Because if polyamory is not for you, you are going to have to choose at some point. If you want to be in a healthy, full relationship where you give your full heart to one person, you've got to choose. Now, nothing wrong with a little polyamory it sounds like it might be for you but that you know ethical non-monogamy you got to make it ethical or it's yeah, just not right gotta have consent on all parts which means a conversation with both of them about listen i love you and i'm also have feelings for someone else too and i want to keep that going are you open to that and they should be allowed to say no to that they should be able to opt in or out of this love triangle
0: they should be allowed to have that decision now. You should give them that choice.
1: Right. You, If you love these people, you've got to do them the courtesy and show them the respect of being honest with them about the situation they're really in. You didn't give yeah. us a ton of details. If you want to write back in and give us more details, we're happy to discuss this further. Maybe on the bonus pod, we'll do follow-ups or we'll break down situations in more detail if you guys want that. But I would say consider polyamory. It sounds like it could be for you. Let's just make sure it's for your partners as well. Or consider space consider space from all of it. And it never hurts to write out your feelings, write out a pros and cons list, be really honest with yourself. It's going to take, I think, maybe some radical honesty about which one of these partners is better for your life. But you can figure out that by doing things such as writing a pros and cons list, sharing with trusted friends and family members about who's better for me. Maybe talk to a therapist if you've got one. I've got an idea, actually. Yeah, what is it?
0: you could get your friends to meet both of them obviously at different times and let them give their opinions because I think oftentimes friends see things that you don't maybe you are actively more comfortable around one of them but it's not registering with you or maybe they're getting friend vibes between what you and one of the people just let them have their input and see how that affects you as well in your decision
1: Yeah. uh, I love that idea. Let, let your friends chime in. sounds like you're having trouble making a decision. Maybe your friends will have some perspective on the situation that you're not able to get to because you're so close to it. And maybe they can help, you know, say, well, you were really comfortable with this person Mm. or, oh, this person was a bit of actually a bit rude. I don't know that I see you with someone like that. Who knows what kind of feedback they would have, but maybe that could help give you some perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely and let us know how it goes honestly guys we want follow-ups we're nosy little bitches like we actually care about y'all and y'all's problems like we want to know what happens like I'm on the edge of my seat here what's gonna happen with (laughs) lady two loves over here oh lady two loves yeah that's your name now listener (laughs) we might start naming you guys oh my god yes let's give everyone a nickname and
0: that is the end of today's episode Remember, if you're wanting to get our advice on any situation in your
1: life, head to the link in our Instagram or TikTok bio to write us a question. And don't forget to check out our Patreon. We have a juicy Q&A live right now. And on Thursday, we'll be posting a really fun gossip session we had with our first guest, Hannah, also known as Fabulous Hannah. And by the way, she'll be featured on a main pod mini-sode coming this Thursday. If you enjoyed this episode,
0: you might consider giving us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You've got no idea how much
1: this helps the show. And remember, you yourself, as much as anyone and the entire universe, is deserving of your own love and compassion. See you on Thursday.